Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Hi there, Dr. Conroy. Hi, I'm Marie. How are you? I'm really good. I'm feeling less intelligent now that I saw a little bit of your resume and I see that you're a doctor and an engineer. That's, That's a lot fair. of education for one person. <laughs> I guess it's if you're going to be involved in robotic engineer, robotic surgeries, you're going to need to know all sides of it. Yeah, but also um, the engineering side is something that was, that's always been an interest to me. And through my uh, master's in doing engineering, that's how I got into implant design and robotics. So it's kind of evolved from there. And I think when you're really interested in something, you tend to do well in it. Yeah. Well, so was that your intention? Like when you finished medical school, you were like, like, where did it come from? Where did this sort of interest in this kind of surgery come from? Well, interestingly, I went to medical school to be a hip surgeon because one of my neighbors who I delivered his newspapers to, he said to me, why don't you become a doctor? And, and he took me to watch an operation and it was a hip replacement. And since then I thought that's what I want to do. So um, I've been motivated for hip replacement, uh, to do hip replacements since, since I was young. And a, a major part of a hip replacement is the prosthesis and, and the engineering of that and how that works. So um, during my training, I did a part-time master's in, in engineering. And then I've done work in um, in Australia. I worked for the uh, Queensland University of Technology um, over there in engineering. And then in Leeds in, in the UK, I did my engineering. And it all links together with uh, surgery where you've got to be personable and uh, caring with the patients. And then the engineering side, um, a, a doctor and also the patients have got to be aware of technology um, to make sure that we join technology and the caring profession together for the best outcome. So um, understanding the, the why or how things are designed, I think is important for us doctors. Okay, so we're hearing about robotic innovations happening sort of in all realms, but when it comes to surgeries, you've done the most in the UK, uh, hundreds, more than 750. Yeah, that's right. I've done approaching a thousand cases um, yeah. So I'm I'm one of the surgeons who's I'm probably in the top three or four in the UK. And um, uh, when I left the UK earlier to move here, so I've done a large number. And um, it's when we first started doing it, it was quite new technology that we were bringing, but now it's become a bit more established. And um, there's centres um, all over the world really using this technology because there's data now to say that it's safe for patients, and that's um, where it really starts growing. Once we've got evidence that it works and it's safe most importantly um, that you know it's, it's taken off and part of that is also reassuring patients that it isn't actually the robot that does the surgery the robot helps the surgeon but 
all the time the surgeon is keeping an eye on what's going on and we kind of supervise the parts that the robot does but most of the operations done by your surgeon so patients don't have to worry um, it is a safe procedure so that was my main first question was well i've already asked you some but that was my main question was why would i what is better about having a robot involved in the surgery as opposed to a human if i'm coming in to get my hip replaced or my knee or a partial knee replacement what is the advantage for you for the patient for the entire situation the main main advantage is uh, the accuracy of and the precision of the um the, the machine so there's one of the biggest factors of a robotic surgery is the preoperative planning. So before we do the operation, the patients have a 3D CT scan um, of their hip or their knee. Um, and then when we get this scan of the knee, we're able to um, perform the operation virtually before, we, before the patient's even touched. So we can go through the planning, we can work out the exact size of the implant, where we're going to place it, if there's any abnormalities in the bone, we can see it really clearly, which we can't on x-rays. And we can start choosing different sizing plants and we can, we can play with variability. So that on the day of the surgery, we're not, we're not surprised by anything. So when I do an operation for a knee replacement, we already have the implant sizes ready to implant at the time of the surgery. We know exactly what we're going to do. And then in the actual operation itself, um, the, the instrumentation that we use to cut bone, um, and we've used it for many years, it does have a variability. So if the bone's soft, sometimes the, the blade can, um, uh, can cut in an unusual position or it can move or be knocked. And it's, um, it's, very, it's, it's, it's very inaccurate, actually. So the robot is consistent to about um, 0.5 millimeter in its cuts. And it's got the ability to do the cuts in three dimensions where the human eyes is, is not quite as accurate. So it's, it's got accuracy and reproducibility. And that really helps the, that helps the surgeon through the surgery. And it also, it reduces the risk of um, soft tissue trauma as well. What about cutting down on human error? Because there are a lot of, you know, injuries every year because we're dealing with mostly humans doing surgeries. So what's the data on that? Exactly, I mean, there's no doubt that a knee replacement and a hip replacement are successful anyway. So you would, you would expect 90% plus of patients to be happy. We're really talking about perhaps 5% of patients who have a, a sub-satisfactory result. So maybe something slightly has gone wrong. Um, and the robot, is really good in those group of patients to double check what I'm doing. So if I get to a stage in the operation and the robot says it's all going well and we should do X or Y, and I agree with that, it's really reassuring for me to have it double checked. Whereas if the surgeon doesn't have someone, doesn't have technology to double check it, they can, they can make a mistake. We're human. We could have, um, you know, we could be tired that day or we've had a busy day or you know, at the end of the day, you know, maybe we're not as good as the beginning of the day. And the robotics gives you that consistency. Now, the robot is, is perfect. So we also have to keep an eye on that. So experience in the robot matters as well. But it, yeah, is that involved machine learning? Sorry, like, is that sort of a, a bit of like, well, how does that work? It's interesting. I mean, it's just having familiarity with new technologies to, to 
double check throughout the operation that um, everything's going well. With regards to machine learning, that's the next step. Um, there's no doubt these machines are going to um, improve in the future. And, uh, the AI aspect of it is is something that's um, quite interesting because the the future robotic systems that we'll have are going to work out which movements the surgeons make, uh, where they take time over, what is the um, common approach to certain steps of the operation, and then the machine can learn that and then introduce uh, uh, more steps that it can automate and do itself. So um, we're getting closer and closer to um, a robotic system doing the whole operation, I, I guess. Do you think that humans will be necessary to oversee it? Like, there, do you think that will still be a situation to, that they have to be there for the surgery? Or can you ever see someone coming in and having a completely robotic surgery? I, I see um, two, I see great benefits in a robot doing it all itself, and particularly in terms of infection, because one of the, um, some disastrous risks is, is, is an infection. And the infection comes in by uh, humans being in the operating room. So if you had an operating room where there was no anaesthetist and no humans there at all, you could keep it very clean. So that would be an advantage. The disadvantage of the robots is that most patients trust that they trust the doctor. They trust that um, if something went wrong with the machine, there's a human there to oversee it. And so I'd, I think it would take I think patients would take some persuading to know that there wasn't anyone overseeing it. So it's like a flying plane. We have pilots on plane, but we don't really need them. So I think it would be maybe another couple of generations before they're completely independent. Yeah, anyone who's ever had surgery knows that last look at the doctor, you know, and, and we always, after you always say how much you look, what your doctor was like, whether they were good or bad, or they made you feel comfortable. And apparently uh, Dubai Future Foundation actually did a poll on LinkedIn and asked people if they would consider robotic surgery and 60% of people said no, but 40% said yes, which is interesting as well. Is You see, I'm, I'm quite interested in that because I, have, I had a patient today who um, one of the other doctors has referred to me um, and they said that they didn't want robotics. And um, when I came and explained the procedure to the patient, now they're happy to have the robotics. And that patient, they, they didn't understand that, that most of the procedures done by the surgeon. So with education and with, you know, an honest explanation of what the robot does and what the surgeon does, I think more people would choose and, and would recommend to, uh, to, to have the robotic system. If, if I was having an operation, I'd want it to be robotic. And that's, uh, there's no doubt I would, um, I would recommend that to all of my patients because it's it's so much safer. Um, but we have to get that message out there. Obviously, um, this podcast and talking to you is, is part of the, the way of doing that. And, you know, patients can look on uh, YouTube and other channels like that. And you can actually see what's involved in it. And it's not it's not scary as you might think. Right. Um, so basically, better outcomes, l less chance of infection, more precise uh, better ability to pivot during the the surgery. Uh, yeah. Your doctor hasn't hasn't had a big sandwich for lunch and is like a little drowsy, right? Like these, they always say, don't go to the doctor or have surgery late in the day. Like opt for the earlier appointments. <laughs> That's right. well, okay. One of, one, of, one of the things we think is really important with the, with this system that we have 
is um, the robot has um, something called haptics. And the haptics mean that as a robotic arm with the blade is, is um, making bone cuts, it senses when it's in bone or not. It won't allow the surgeon to make cuts in the wrong position. So if you're using a saw, which, you, which it's gruesome, but you have to use that in knee replacement, as soon as you saw, when, when it comes to the end of the bone, the machine cuts out. So in, when you're doing it by hand, quite often the surgeon will just move a few millimeters through the bone into the soft tissues, and that can create bleeding and, and pain and swelling. So from some of the studies that have been done, it seems that by being so accurate with the haptics, um, that can help um, speed the recovery afterwards and less pain, which is obviously a big, big factor in this type of surgery. And what kind of speed and, and less pain are we talking about? Can you like quantify it or? Uh, the speed of recovery. Yeah. Um, so it can, it's everybody's different. So on the whole, um, some patients just recover quicker than others. If you're younger and, you, and, you, and you're fit and active, you will recover more than an older patient who's had the disease for a long period of time. But in my practice, seeing people come through, I consistently see patients that, that recover quicker. And that might mean that a hip replacement that normally takes six weeks on crutches after surgery, I've seen patients coming back after one to two weeks saying they don't need crutches anymore. I've had knee replacements go home the same day or the following day from operations where normally they would keep in three to four days. And they may um, be pain-free after three or four weeks rather than um, eight or nine weeks. So you can overall, you can get a feel for it. It's quite hard to quantify it because of the different variables. But overall, it, it seems to work. And, and from the patients we operate on, they tell their friends that they're happy with it. And, it, you know, it's word of mouth that, it goes ahead. Do you get resistance among colleagues back in the UK or here to this concept, or are people pretty open-minded? Absolutely, I've had um, we had a lot of resistance when I started using it. So in the UK, north of London, I was the first to have a, a robot, the Mako robot, and um, my colleagues uh, said, "Well, you know, it's not well proven. This could go wrong. That could go wrong." And, um, they're very skeptical about it, um, and as an engineer and as a uh, an academic, you you have to um, you have to go with the evidence. And also, my training, the implants I use for uh, uh, my patients, I uh, design many of them in the United States. And my colleagues that I worked with over there had already started using the robot, and they said, "Stick with it; it's really good. No matter what your colleagues say, stick with it." And then I realized that the older surgeons who've got big practices, they don't really want to retrain on something new. They're, you know, they're confident about their results and they don't want to try something new. And as people start learning, and I think it's patient driven, then more and more are starting to use robotics. So it's, it's, it's very common now that newer surgeons are using, are learning on this technology. Um, you, it, it's normal for people to be anxious and to uh, be wary of change. Um, but if you embrace the technology, you do it in a safe way, then um, it's the future. And I think patients understand that. You wouldn't want your car built by hand. You would expect it would be built by a robot because they're more accurate. And I don't think we should be ashamed 
that technology does a better job than the surgeon. Yeah, well, any industry that's adopting technology, there's resistance within it. But medicine does seem to be a little bit more difficult to get new ideas across and new findings and new ways of looking at things and doing things. It's one, it seems to be one of the more resistant and I guess because the stakes are so high and yeah, do you find that? I completely agree with you. I think there's probably um, multiple factors. It's, I think that um, traditionally uh, doctors like to make their own decisions and, and they're, they're, they're cautious and they're hard to sway. I think there's also um, the investment because new technologies normally means increased cost so uh, healthcare is very expensive so and it's got to be justified with the insurance companies so there's a lot of paperwork to to justify it um and then also i think that the patients as well they um some patients are very cautious about new treatments where other patients just want the latest thing so there's a there's a balance among patients and um, but ultimately you know new technology has to prove itself in being cost effective and I think it has to be introduced in a safe way and that can take means it takes a little bit longer than than if it was in um, manufacturing for instance we've got to prove that it's safe okay and let's just talk a little bit about our hips and our knees as we're getting older because you know all about this what is yeah. going on is there a way if you're listening to this when you're young to keep your hips and knees in a good shape is this just an inevitable decline you know that we're inevitably going to face a hip replacement or a knee replacement what's sort of going on there you know there's um if you look at the reasons for um hip arthritis or knee arthritis it's often genetic reasons so some people unfortunately um when they're born they're going to have a higher risk of having arthritis and this could be due to the shape of the joints um if for instance in the hip rather than it being a, a ball shape it can be more of an egg shape and that will predispose to you having arthritis no matter what you do um some people and probably a lot of people develop arthritis because of a traumatic event so it might be that they've been involved in a road traffic accident or they've had a fall or they've had a sporting injury and that predisposes to it so there's those factors um but some patients worry that too much exercise might cause arthritis but there's no real evidence that that's the case if anything keeping keep eating healthy keeping fit participating in exercise looking after yourself is a good thing and that should give you longevity of your joints and we know that if you um if you do have arthritis and you exercise regularly um each day even if it's just walking the dog or going out for a cycle then that lengthens the time that you um, require to, to have a hip replacement or a knee replacement. So a, a low level of activity is very good for your joints. And there's a lot of sedentary people out there. There's a lot of overweight people. Can you talk about how inactivity and, um, and extra pounds and obesity can be hard on your joints? Exactly. I mean, if you, if you're a heavy person, um, your the the weight that's put on your joints will give you pain, and there's no doubt that if you can get your weight down, a lot of the pain that you may suffer will disappear. And we see that so often. So patients come and they they're looking at having a knee replacement, and if they if they are um, motivated enough to lose um, a few kilograms, they when they come back and see you in three to six months, the pain is completely gone. 
So there's no doubt that weight has a marked effect on that. But uh, it's not only on your joints, it's your whole body, it's your heart, your vessels, everything. So it is really important to keep healthy and, and give uh, longevity to our bodies, really. And um, we just got to, you know, if you if you don't look after yourself as you're uh, as you're growing up and you're getting older, you will suffer the consequences. And um, when you're when you're older on your joints, no doubt about that. Things are we're in an interesting time because there's this whole movement of healthy at any size and be the size you are. But as doctors, you see people coming in your clinic and you're you're like, I just know if you lost a few kilos that this problem wouldn't be a problem. Do you find do you find in 2022 this is a delicate conversation or do you just say it like? <laughs> um, I I think it's people's choice to decide how much they eat or what their weight is. So, um, you know, we meet the variable um, patients in the practice and it's up to them. I think that most patients who are overweight are aware that they're overweight and they may have different reasons. It make, means it's very difficult to lose weight. So it's, it's difficult to... Um, have that um, high, you know, come from the higher ground and tell people that they should lose weight. I think that um, you, you just have to be um, sensitive about it. You don't really know what other reasons people have for the weight, but I do think it's the job of doctors to say that if you if you could lose weight, then then there's great benefit to you. You've got um, a higher chance of complications as well, and, and it's also say smoking is another factor which can, you know, it. If people smoke, it really does increase the risk of um, problems with wound healing and uh, problems with anaesthetic. So we have to give them good advice. In the uh, in, in 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 some areas of healthcare, they um, they won't fund these operations unless you have made an effort to lose weight or give up smoking. And that's always been a challenge for me because I think well, can can you do that? But there's a lot of evidence that if you if you have a six month plan of losing some weight, um, it, it gives you better outcomes. So I think we all have a duty to to get that across without offending the patient. Okay, and is inact inactivity bad for your joints? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, it, I, there's no, no doubt that your joints perform because of activity. Um, if you, you could have a low level of activity and, and you will be fine, um, the, our, all our joints, joints function because of the muscles around them. And I think that's the key thing. If you're fit and active, the muscles are strong and protective to your joints. If you're, if you're sedentary, those muscles aren't quite as strong and you're more likely to have an injury or more likely to put increased forces across the actual joint rather than the muscles. So, yeah, degree um, does, does, does help. Okay. Must be a fan of some sort of resistance training or weight training as well to strengthen those muscle muscles. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to do, the thing is for most people, you don't have to do too much exercise. You know, you, uh, you don't have to be in the gym every day. It's just, you know, keeping your step count up throughout the day, being careful on a you know relatively balanced diet. It doesn't mean that you have to eat healthy every day. If you can, that's brilliant. But, you know, we, we were allowed some cheat days and, if you can go, you know, you can go on the bike to work rather than, um, you know, drive your car. It's all simple things like that. And it makes you feel better, doesn't it, if you exercise? Mm -hmm. Okay, so someone is a little bit nervous about robotic surgery. What's your what's your pitch for them? Um, I think that most most patients are nervous about surgery full stop. But I think if you if you were interested in robotic surgery, it is worth um 
you can have a look online and see um, the, the the technical side of the surgery. You can you can find out online um, patients' experiences. And um, we've got uh, patients who've done tremendous uh, things after they've had hip or knee replacements in terms of getting back to sport and you know exercise regularly. So the information's out there, but the best thing is to is to see one of your if you see see a, a a surgeon or a doctor that you that you've heard is good and trustworthy. Go and see them, have a conversation with them, and um, you know if you if you specifically want robotics, obviously surgeons like my, myself who and Health Point Hospital where we have a robotic system, we can give you a balanced view. But most surgeons should be able to give you a view about. Um, robotics as it's you know it's, it's quite widely known in our field now so ask a medical professional and also ask your friends because every most people now know someone who's had a hip or knee replacement well thank you so much that's really fascinating to hear yeah. about the future coming to our knees and hips thank you so much dr conroy thank you for your time That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.